Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Slash Filmcast. I'm David Chen, and joining me are... David Hardware And Jeff Kanata. Welcome to the show. Today, what we're going to be doing is a follow-up episode about uh, Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. A uh, lot of conversation has happened in the last week since we recorded our review of Rise of Skywalker. It's actually well, we recorded probably, it yeah. before most people had seen the movie. Yeah. You know, we recorded it. We were among a very small handful of people who'd seen it, and nobody was allowed to tweet or talk about it. So we were kind of in a vacuum at that point. Which yeah. is actually good. I think good for yes. getting your actual feelings about Preserved the movie. Preserved yeah. in amber for everyone. You know, our <laughs> yeah. feelings are preserved I mean, in amber. Yeah. I was going with vacuum of space, but I yeah. guess you know. I guess if you want to mix franchises, you can do that. Dave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Indeed. In, no in carbonite references, man. Wow. In any case, uh, so that's all today is going to be. It's going to be a little bonus episode for you to tide you over until our top ten movies of the year episode, which is going to happen uh, next week. Uh, but hope everyone is having a lovely holiday season, uh, and uh, a bunch of people have donated to the show uh, to celebrate. Uh, the holidays, and we really appreciate that. Of course, if you want to support the show, you can always go to paypal.me slash filmcast. Find more episodes of the show at slashfilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. But basically, uh, so many things happened in the last week. So many things have been written about Rise of Skywalker that it felt like we had to kind of uh, get on the horn again and and chat a little bit more because I, I felt like you know, uh, that after we finished recording and I, after I read, you know, probably uh, 50 articles on Rise of Skywalker and listened to, I don't know, 10 hours of podcast worth about Rise of Skywalker, I'm like, you know, I have a few more things I, I want to say about it. And so uh, that's why we're here today. So uh, as I said to you guys before we started recording, if you're like me, you know, moments after the show ended, you, last week's episode ended, you're probably like, oh, man, I wish I had said blank. So uh, assuming you felt the same way, Devendra... What is stuff that you wish you had mentioned on our Rise of Skywalker review episode? Yeah, I feel like that episode, at least from us, it sounded like we were definitely putting out a lot of problems that uh, we were attributing to J.J. Abrams. And I just want to really say that I I genuinely do love J.J. Abrams movies when they're done well. And his last Star Wars movie, I, I still love. And it's funny how The Force Awakens has many of the same problems, I think, as Rise of the Skywalker. It, it is sort of like retreading, you know, A New Hope and everything. But that movie, like, I remember sitting and watching that movie here in Brooklyn and the energy of the crowd and just, like, how everybody was into that movie. That movie has room to breathe. That movie introduces new characters. So to me, like, it it wasn't great that we got basically another Death Star, but there's a lot of value in that movie. I really like rewatching it. Um those moments with like Finn talking to Ray when he's about to leave, the confrontation between Han Solo and Kylo Ren, like those are indelible Star Wars moments that really give those actors and you know the story a chance to shine. And that's the sort of thing like I was I was actually expecting more of that in Rise of the Skywalker. And it's a shame we didn't get that. It is pure, it is the pure JJ operating on action spectacle thing, which I usually like, but it's also in other in like TV shows and in other things like I think of like Star Trek into darkness that is also a thing that happens to kind of hide a not so great script so it, it is a shame like I'm a huge JJ fan kind of wish uh, maybe they had more time to work on this movie I feel like that's it if it had more time to bake I feel like we could have had a much better movie overall yeah there's also talks of like I, I don't know someone had made the suggestion to uh, Chris Terrio I think that like to mm -hmm. split the movie into two movies right 
and uh, would that have made a, uh, a, a <laughs> like an episode eight and nine? You mean <laughs> eight point five? Yeah. Co writer Chris Terrio like is, is asked the question right by Awards Daily. Like, w- do you think this could have been split into two movies? And he says, "quote I wish we could have done that. There is a lot of plot in this movie, and as a writer, you always want uh, scenes to let the plot breathe more. If there are wa- were, were a way of doing it, splitting it would have been my dream. We could have written these characters forever." End quote. So. Uh, Wouldn't know, it have I, been cool? Wouldn't that, that have been the most transgressive, cool thing if this movie <laughs> ended on a cliffhanger? Yeah, like, I, and they didn't tell anybody that there was going to be yeah. a episode ten, and they just made this movie end on a cliffhanger. And everybody's like, "What? This was this wasn't the end of the trilogy? There's another movie coming." You want, you want the Iron Man moment of like. <laughs> You thought this one thing is over, and uh, Nick Fury <laughs> walks on stage. Yeah, that would have been. I mean, I think that that would have been pretty. <laughs> that would have been pretty ballsy and 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 cool. And I I don't know, you know, how yeah, many they, people they would have liked it. But... They should have pulled an end yeah. night. You know, and made. Imagine this <laughs> after the credits, a a lone figure with floppy yeah, ears say, walks says, onto the stage. George <laughs> R. Biggs, he's back, baby. <laughs> no, no, no. It's but but it, at the end, it it has white text that comes off on the screen that says Ray will return. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Now, to be to be fair, uh, we should point out that like there were never actually any plans to split it into two movies. It was just like a question the writer was asked, and he's like, "Yeah, that would have been great." Um, but I I think we can all agree that that would have been great if they had had more time to uh, let these uh, plots yeah. breathe a little bit more. Another uh, thing, Dave, you should I, I don't think you have mentioned yet is that this addendum episode will also be chock full of spoilers. Yeah. Oh no, good call. Good call. Yeah. So so I don't know why you'd be listening to a follow-up episode unless you had seen the movie. But yeah, this is all spoilers, so you should assume spoilers from this point forward. Um so Jeff Kanata, anything immediately leap to mind uh as to things you wish you'd said or or as the movie has sat in your mind more, like has your thoughts changed on it? Do you guys like cotton candy? I, I know where this is going. From time yeah, to time, I enjoy it. Yeah. Just a bit of cotton candy, Jeff. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I rarely have it. It feels like the kind of thing that you get, uh, you know, once every few years. You know, it's the kind of thing where you you see it at a special occasion. You go to the circus or you go to an amusement park or, or a fair or something. And the, the kind of thing you don't do very often. But, man, I always get so excited when I see cotton candy because it – it stirs some nostalgia in me. It stirs some, it, it, it's a symbol of this kind of joy and feeling of, of youth and excitement. And I always want to get cotton candy. I see it and I want it. And I get so excited and I grab that paper, you know, uh, handle thing. And it's this big bushel of cotton candy, this huge mound of cotton candy that they have woven onto the top of that paper handle. And I think, how the heck am I going to stuff all of this in my face? It's going to last forever. It's going to be amazing. And then I stick my tongue out and I touch the cotton candy and it feels like in seconds (laughs) it shrinks Right, it dissolves into nothingness yeah. on my tongue. It dries out, and also dries out your tongue in the process, so you can't really taste other things. You know, I, your, I your sense know of enjoyment. I think I know yeah. where you're going with this, Jeff. You wish you'd had cotton candy when you saw Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, I would just. Uh, <laughs> why do we have more cotton candy in the movie theaters in America? You know what I'm saying? That's a good question. Um, <laughs> you, you know what, Jeff? I uh, have to say, I, I hate cotton candy. It gets everywhere. 
it gets my tongue really dry. It's so dry and coarse. Like it's it sticky is too, right? It's sticky. sticky. It's yeah. sticky. Uh, um, it's a mess. <laughs> I feel like with both. I mean, listen. I'm very glad, Devendra, that you started this episode on a positive because I feel like this is going to be like our addendum is it's more more gripes gripes we thought of later uh and i think that's going to be true so apologies for the people that loved rise of skywalker because i know there are some there are lots uh, of people that genuinely love the movie fewer than i thought to be quite honest with you before you know the general public had seen it i thought it was gonna i thought i was gonna be the outlier but um anyway i'm glad devinger that you brought up the fact that you and i think all of us like J.J. Abrams movies, think he's a very talented filmmaker, and we don't... Yeah. When he has a good script, yes. I we love are him. not anti-J.J., but I will say, having said that, that the longer I go after watching both Rise of Skywalker and The Force Awakens, the more it feels like a cotton candy experience where I, I, my eyes were big and I just, I just, I saw this giant bushel of, of joy and I walked out going, that was great, right? And then the longer it goes, it's like, that wasn't, I just put my tongue on it and it, all I'm, it just, there wasn't anything there. There's no there there. And I feel like the longer I go after Rise of Skywalker, the more gripes I have, the more disappointed I am with what was put in front of me, the more, and I know I made a big deal about this the first time we talked, but the more upset I am about the entire erasure job it did for episode eight, which I still think is one of the best, if not the best Star Wars, standalone Star Wars movies of all time. Yeah. And, and uh, I, I and, thought you did a great job on the podcast, Jeff, of like conveying how kind of in conflict this movie is with with Last Jedi um and also how disappointing it is that there wasn't a plan for the three films yeah right it's so dis it's it's un unfathomable to me yeah. that you would set out making a trilogy without somebody on Twitter I think it was my friend David Ellis uh who pointed out that uh it's hard thing to to reckon with but you have to admit that the movies that had the best plan going into them are the prequel trilogies because A New Hope certainly didn't expect to be a trilogy, and these movies evidently didn't expect to be a trilogy. So the 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 best laid out trilogy of the Star Wars movies is the prequels, which George wrote knowing there were going to be three of them. And anyway, uh, but you know, talking about how it it erases the eighth movie, one of the things that occurred to me after we recorded is, and I don't think this is a coincidence, folks. Uh, this movie literally has C-3PO forget the events of episode eight. <laughs> he forgets the events of episode eight. Sure, sure. But he he erase, his, but they erase it from his memory. Wh what memory does he actually get back? Does he get everything back or does he get everything up until Force Awakens? I think like, he gets everything up until Force Awakens. Wow. Right? I don't, like, I don't, I don't, they, is that confirmed? Like, joke, I, I just forget what they said. The joke in the movie, the way I remember it, and again, I could be wrong here, but the joke, the way I remember it is them saying, oh, you know, R2 is not going to be, it, the, they make the joke about, you know, help me Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're my only hope about how like, oh, his, the stuff that he holds onto is only part of it. And it doesn't, there's the joke about how it's going to be an incomplete 
you know version yeah retrieval yeah yeah, yeah it's not gonna and, and i think and when then, like r2 reboots him at the end he's like oh i can't wait for master luke to get back or something like that right or i don't think he says master luke i think he says my new my new friends or something like he like he's met these characters but everything that happened I don't know. I, I could be overthinking this. Yeah, and but 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 here, let me let yeah, me put a finer yeah. point on it, Jeff. Which is like something that I don't think we talked about that much on the, the podcast episode was they reform Kylo Ren's helmet yes. in this one. He's which like, is like in the last movie, like, he smashed it. He's like, I'm yes. done with this helmet, and for no reason, for no reason. They put the helmet back together again. The reason is, oh, hey, I, I invented that. I thought the helmet was cool. Like, the the reason it. was, I, I like yeah. that helmet. The helmet was cool. I liked it. I designed it. I helped design that. I wanted, really wanted that to be <laughs> guys, a thing. Guys, guys, guys. The helmet is fractured like his fractured psyche. Okay. Oh. Yeah. Well, well, she, wanted... Ray, Ray does point it out. She's like, I can see the seams in your helmet. You know, it becomes like this, uh, this character thing. But it is, the helmet is, I think, a great metaphor for kind of, yes. hey, you, it, it almost, it almost feels like juvenile. Like, Hey, like you smashed my toys. Like now I'm going to glue yeah. them back together again so I can play with them. Uh, you know, I, 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 I thought that at the time <laughs> as well, but I, I honestly, I had bigger gripes, uh, <laughs> yeah, for the racing yeah. stuff because only because the look of those like glowing seams was so rad. I was like, I can't hate that too much. Cause it kind of looks <laughs> awesome. That's, that's the JJ mentality, right? It's go yeah. with what looks cool rather than what makes sense. Uh, I was half expecting, I don't know if we talked about this on the episode, but I was half expecting him to do like something with the, with the Vader helmet and just like reform that and merge it with his so that we just go full on symbolism there. Um, well, he yeah. did get get into Vader's ship, right? Like he yeah. lands yeah. Vader's ship next to Luke's ship for no re- like for no reason. Like what? I don't know. I don't know why. I guess we only destroy his ship so that he can get Vader's ship at the end. I'm, that- I'm still floored by the way that this movie gave us five seconds of Leia in uh, in Jedi training. Five five seconds for for no apparent reason other than to introduce another lightsaber into the mix. Yeah, uh, that is some Suicide Squad level uh, plot <laughs> development there. Like that is, hey, here's my friend. He's good at climbing walls, basically. Yeah. So yeah, and and also uh, one more one more quick point is also uh, the longer I go from this movie, the more I am so irked <laughs> by the subtitle of this movie. I am so angry that it is called The Rise of Skywalker. Oh, it is such a terrible... I mean, you people make fun of Attack of the Clones and The Phantom Menace, but The Rise of Skywalker is... She rose. It's, it makes me angry. So it, it makes me angry that it's called The Rise of Skywalker. Uh, anyway. Well, there were so yeah, I, I, why why yeah. is it? I don't understand that, Jeff. Like, why does it make you angry? Like, is it because... What, yeah, why? It, it is. It is so clearly exactly what we all thought it was when it was first announced. Which right, is, right, right. Which is that hey, Ray is a Skywalker, or like which is that Ray is a Skywalker, and that everything that you were told in Episode Eight. Don't don't worry, we're erasing all of that. Skywalker's rising, everybody, and and guess what? Uh, the the uh, the ghost Jedi's now can grab physical lightsabers out of the sky for for the the only reason. Is so that we can diss the last movie, but we just invented a new thing that they can do. I don't know. It's, it's all of it. All of it to me <laughs> yeah. serves to just undo the last movie. And it, it, and the longer I get, the more I think about it, the more frustrated it's, I am. It's, it's maddening. Did yeah, you guys I, finish uh, The Mandalorian, by the way? No. I, I'm not going to say the, the... There's a thing that happens, I think. It's just like... It's just like 
it's it's like a, a finishing touch of something really cool. And that's the sort of reveal that would have been great to see in a movie like Skywalker, not like everything we pretty much expected from when we heard that, you know, JJ was going to be doing this movie again. Well, can I ask you guys a quick question? Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Dave. Yeah, go ahead. so I have, I have a bunch of stuff I want to get to. So, like, first of all, yeah, I mean, Jeff, I still remember talking with you for the review, and uh, you were, in my opinion, trying to convince yourself that this movie is good. Um, <laughs> that, that's my recollection. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and do you guys remember like, Spaced? Like uh, the this, yeah the yeah. Uh, the Edgar Wright yeah. yeah yeah the season two of Space begins with uh, with. Uh, what uh, Simon Pegg burning all his Star Wars gear because he tried so hard to convince himself that Phantom Menace was good, and then <laughs> he had to admit that it was just garbage. Honestly, so are, it, it yeah. felt very, mu- it felt very much like that, Jeff. Um, yeah, it, it felt like you had just emerged from Phantom Menace, and you're like, you you have like a lot invested in it, and you were like trying yeah. to convince that, and it, that's just my perception of you, uh, you know, as someone who I've done this podcast with for many years. Um, well, I, I I will say, and I said this on Twitter. If I had, you know, grand control over the Star Wars time stream, <laughs> I would only keep episodes four, five, six, Rogue One, and episode eight. Those are the only movies of the tri- and But with the caveat that I would also keep the score from all the movies, especially Duel of the Fates. We have to keep the Duel of the Fates music, but everything else goes. <laughs> uh so, uh, I, I, so I, there's many, many things that have been written about this movie that I kind of want to respond to um, that happened over the course of last week. And why don't we start right from the top, which is the, the opening crawl of the movie. Uh, it's like... The dead speak! The dead speak, right? And, and, and by the way, I, like, I actually wanted to use this opportunity to not just like dump on the film further, although we will be doing that, certainly. But like... Uh, there are some things that I felt like we were too hard on the movie about, or maybe like I want to acknowledge some things that the movie tried to do that were good, and so I'm going to try to do that over the course of the next, you know, 20, 30 minutes or so. And uh, yeah, the dead speak, and I saw these um, uh, headlines around the internet. I don't know if you guys saw this, but like basically, uh, there was stuff around the internet written about how uh, the <laughs> you you can only understand this scene from the uh, Rise of Skywalker if you played Fortnite. And apparently there was right. an event in the uh, cross-platform game Fortnite where yeah. like you could hear the speech that the Emperor gives where I, he, the broadcast, right? Yeah, that, that is wild, by the way. It is wild <laughs> that that happened. I don't think you can only understand that by playing Fortnite, but I do think like... Why the hell did they record that and not like well, use yeah, this in the movie or something? Like, okay, do something. Let me just be, let me just be how, clear. Fortnite is. <laughs> yeah. Well, let me just be clear that like, yes, look, I I understand you don't need to have seen the speech to like understand what goes on in Rise of Skywalker. Like, I I, I understand that. Like, I'm but I'm just saying that to me it is odd. I mean, I, I think a lot of people when that clip debuted in Fortnite. They assumed yeah. that it was a scene from Rise of Skywalker, right? Sure, they sure. they assumed that it would actually be in the film. And it was not in the film. So it's just very weird that, hey, the dead speak, there's been a broadcast, and then you never hear the broadcast, which is fine. Like, the point of those opening crawls is yeah. to yada yada away a bunch of stuff they don't <laughs> need to show in the film. But They yada yada a whole movie, by the way. Yeah. Like, oh, that yeah. is, yeah. It, it, I, was, I don't think, I can't remember the last time the first few words of a movie lost me. 
like lost <laughs> me from the narrative of the movies. Like you lost me at go brother. Yeah. Like basically that's what this movie did. It's, it's How fast- cool would it have been by the way? Like, let me, let me just say like they, they recorded that clip, right. With the, uh, with the, uh, what's his face? Who, who plays Ian McDermott? Uh, Ian McDermott. They recorded who is, that who is, Unwaveringly awesome. It's every time good. he's on screen, he, the it's dude, yeah. shoes, scenery like nobody else still doing his thing but how cool would it have been if they just took that audio and just like in as a teaser in theaters just like played a black screen in that audio and just like that's it no no like ad for star wars because you know what it is you know what it is when you hear this creepy man talking to you uh that it's i'm just thinking of like the other ways they could have done this rather than dump it on Fortnite. i don't know so i think we're we're complaining about Fortnite because we're old I, sure. I, I I don't know. Yeah, I mean, certainly that's part of it, but I guess um, it sense, but I, yeah. I am I am okay with the idea of like transmedia storytelling. You know what I mean? Right. Like transmedia, one word. Um, and this is something that was like attempted with the uh, Matrix back in the day. You know, yeah. there was like um, a Matrix video game that like told uh, Enter the J- Matrix. Right, like yeah. J- Jada Pinkett Smith's Niobe, I think was her character's name. Like her entire story was told in the video game, and like you had to kind of had played the video game if you wanted to fully comprehend what happened to that character between yeah. like Matrix two and three, I think it was, or maybe one and they two. They were so ambitious, right? Yeah. And and then there was like the Animatrix, which kind of told back. So, so like I I am actually, and I thought that was very ambitious, and it it didn't quite work out. Like it didn't, yeah, it wasn't like a super impactful video game that like it, it, groundbreaking at the time because of what they were attempting but it i wouldn't call it an unbridled success but i think like not since then has has, like such an ambitious kind of transmedia storytelling took place in my opinion but it's just very odd to me because it's not like um people were given the heads up you know when you watch uh captain marvel (laughs) you know the 18 movies you need to see before captain marvel before you you know before you can understand it but it's not like anyone said like hey make sure you catch Fortnite before rise of skywalker you know what i mean i think you're making way too big a deal out of this dave i I think it is a it is a kind of cool plus one for people that caught it and i would i would bet a lot of money that the way this was conceived was backwards to the way you're presenting it which is hey you know what would be kind of a cool thing like we're looking for something to put into. We're looking for this collaboration with Fortnite, and we have this little story bit that we don't show in the movie. Wouldn't it be cool if we just put that in the game? I feel like it's not. It's not the other way around. Of like, okay, what'll happen is there'll be a big story beat that happens in a transmedia way. I, I just think they're looking for cool stuff. They don't want to put stuff from the actually in the movie, and they go, hey, we have this little thing that we could do that would be a cool plus one that you could actually see what he says instead of us just saying he says something. It's almost as if studios release these short clips of movies to get people excited (laughs) to watch their movies. You wouldn't (laughs) wouldn't know. know. But there are these things called trailers and teasers, and you could put in audio, audio bits from the movie, including things that don't actually end up in the movie. You can put those in the trailer, guys. We've had this well, technology for a while. Je- it's Jeff, I just want to be clear. Like, uh, I- I'm actually praising the idea of of transmedia story. Like, I actually think it's like cool, and I think we'll probably see more of it in the future. And I'm just all I'm saying is I wish this particular instance had been a little more thoughtful. That's all I'm saying. I'm not I mean, saying to, like they shouldn't do credit. it. I'm not saying they shouldn't have attempted it. I'm just saying like it doesn't feel as thoughtful to me as even the Matrix was. You know what I mean? With with what they fair did. enough. So that was a plan. 
That was yeah, a clear yeah. plan that, of that, how that, to tell that's that all, story. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. It is like it would have been amazing for people who like could go really in on it to like, hey, you know, like for for Watchmen, the HBO show, there's like PDpedia. You can go and read, you know, for hours about like the backstory. And I, the, there was not really a roadmap, I think, for for a lot of Star Wars people. But maybe you right. know, some people might prefer it that way. Okay, so that's one thing. Uh, I do also want to point out that like, as you think more of, it, I think it was Miles McNutt on Twitter put it really well that like. Uh, when you finish watching Rise of Skywalker, it's not like, oh, hey, I wish they had uh, given more time to like flesh this particular point out. It's more like you feel they came up with this in two minutes and then never circled back to like follow it up, right? Uh, so the idea of how uh, Palpatine survives, you know, um, he, he gets thrown down a shaft at the end of Return of the Jedi. And then, by the way, I should also point out that like when the second Death Star explodes... I, that thing is gone, man. Like, it's not like, hey, there's like a there's like a husk left of it that's going to survive on a planet. Like, yeah, but it is completely side, vaporized, right? Yeah, you, did, yeah. you, 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 you're not considering the dark side. <laughs> it's true. Maybe he like used the force to protect himself, right, from Works this explosion, ways. and maybe yeah. like somehow he reconstituted the Death Star so that it could. And it, whatever the case, I think my, my, from a story perspective, I think like the most salient point is that. A lot of people, I think very rightfully, uh, have said that the fact that Emperor Palpatine survives kind of uh, negates Darth Vader's Everything. sacrifice at the end of Return of yes. the Jedi. You know, like, yes. that the, it kind yeah. of cheapens it because it's like, oh, that that person didn't die. Um, I, I think what's what, what's most well, damning, think, by the way, I think that is happened that... at the beginning of. I'm sorry, sorry. Yeah, 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 I think okay. that happened at the beginning of the whole idea that there's a first order that's exactly the same as the Empire. <laughs> yeah, negates yeah. everything that happened. It's kind of like what was all? Trilogy. What were all the people? All the people that died, and you know, the, like yeah, the whole celebration that we had. Remember the Ewoks were all jamming around. It was <laughs> they were super happy, and it's like no, no, you know, cut to ten years later, and it's exactly the same people doing <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah. the same thing. Don't worry, don't worry. Not to be the first order is no more. Now we have the final order okay like we just let's forget about the other forced order like i don't know how they made that transition like i don't know if it was yeah. like a, a no to everybody in the first order is like hey by the way branding change guys like uh we're doing up a palpatine got a new logo new ships just Which order are we it. on well hey, hey larry what order are we on a couple things you guys are pointing out one is that i think that what is very what I perceive to be the case is that these films send the people working on the extended universe, like in the comic books and the cartoons or whatever, like scrambling to like explain everything or, that happens, right? Like, or it's the biggest gift they could be ever given. <laughs> you know what I mean? From from like in terms of like having a job, you mean? <laughs> or like, well, in yeah, in terms of being essential. You know, <laughs> right, right, because it's like that only through you know much documentation. You gotta read those books. Yeah, yeah, you gotta read the books to understand everything that's happening. Uh, but the other thing that you're pointing out, Jeff, that I think is very astute, is that The Force Awakens, in a way, is actually a deeply pessimistic film because yes. uh, it is implying that hey, n none of that really made a permanent difference in the universe, right? right. That like they, the, the First Order has risen in the from the ashes of the Empire, and in a way, you know, if these films had any cohesive political uh, theory about them, then, you, you know, one would probably say, like, in a way that th this First Order has, like, replaced what the Empire is. I mean, certainly, in terms of iconography and in terms of building planet-killing ships, um, you know, that's what, that the, that's exactly what they've exactly the done. same as yeah. the last ships. Yeah, uh, th I mean, that's the <laughs> problem for me, is that it, it would have been interesting if, yeah, you know, every generation has a new 
evil to you that you have to fight that yeah that'd be that an interesting is, point that'd be an interesting right, point right that's mm-hmm. like you humanity know, will or you know will eventually tear itself apart yeah. you know like whatever what has like happened there's, before there's an interesting again. point to be made yeah. there i don't know that the movies really make them particularly effective no and, and it and the fact that it is like identical <laughs> things is is just why it's pessimistic uh, i think well, let uh, me ask you guys this, by the way have you either of you played uh jedi fallen order yes yes yeah i didn't get to mention this in the review but it's i think good. That that is the Star Wars movie we kind of need it. Doing some interesting things with the narrative and our ideas of the Force and like telling something new. Yeah. I think that that I won't spoil that game, but it is incredible to me that a video game has given us something a better Star Wars story than freaking the big budget J.J. Abrams movie. I, I want to mention, Dave. I think the thing you've been kind of ta- you're stepping through, which I'm enjoying very much, but. I read a tweet and I wish I could remember who wrote it because I think it's the best tweet about this movie that I read uh, that I think it goes to the macro problem. Uh, someone wrote that the rise of Skywalker cannot survive a single why. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Like say more it's about good. that, Jeff. Uh, uh, there, uh, anything that causes you to ask the question why in the it it, it it there's it provides no answers for it. it does not it cannot weather the storm of any yeah. inquisitive thinking about well, why Jeff is because I'm shouting it at you okay <laughs> like we have to go here because I'm shouting at you we're protagonists like we have to this is our buddy buddy you know conversation so you guys yeah. you were talking about how similar the new the new movie is I was listening to the Kotaku split screen podcast which uh, I think did uh, one of the best breakdowns of this film that I have heard. And uh, something they brought up is the emperor really needs to start changing his tactics because <laughs> this is a guy that has built two Death Stars, right? Both of which ended in disaster. Then he's like, you know what? This time it's going to be a whole fleet of ships, each of which has Death Star. He's shooting lightning out of his hands. Like that has always gone poorly for him as well. Yeah. Uh, he's just got to get some new. Assassin's Creed the movie. Like he's doing all these things. <laughs> he's just got to get some new ideas because yeah. like the the planet killing things, people generally rise up against them. Consider stop doing the planet killing. You know, like <laughs> may, maybe like there's something about building planet killing things that is causing people to turn against you. No, so. but you know what you do? You know what you do, see? You know what you do? <laughs> is you don't do the one planet kill example for everybody. You just <laughs> kill all the planets. You know, because yeah. that's the problem is that he's like, I want to demonstrate how we can kill a planet. And everybody's like, oh, that seems real bad. Let's organize and stop that. <laughs> let's organize. Yeah, that's, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> and, so, uh, you know, if you just start with let's kill all the planets – before anybody realizes that that's bad, I think. But maybe... sir, you have nothing left to rule. Oh, <laughs> oh. Yeah, I mean, I think I remember. You know, Jeff. The, one of my favorite sayings of yours is like when we did our uh, X Men Apocalypse review, right? And like Oscar Isaac. <laughs> I'm glad something came, good came out of that. Yeah, Oscar Isaac also in uh, in that movie, right? Um, yeah, yeah. He's Apocalypse, and he's like trying to take over the world, and he's trying to like destroy all world governments or whatever. And mm-hmm. you know, Jeff Jeff cannot ask the question like, okay. And then what? Like you've, <laughs> right. you've you've taken over the world. It's everything is in ashes now. What? Like what is what what is your life like now? It like, goes into fashion. And so that's a question. Is like once you've had the planet killing, like and you have the planet killing devices, and everyone's afraid of you now. Like now what? 
Like, are, what, what is she? What is where are you going to get your fulfillment from? He's yeah. going to party in his sad auditorium with those robed worshippers. Like, it's just going to be an all out orgy. It's going to be insane. Yeah, I mean, clearly yeah. the dude fucks. I mean, we've established that. <laughs> oh, well, sp- speaking of uh, speaking of that, I mean, there was a uh, point that Peter Sreda made on the on the podcast uh, that like there, there was speculation that maybe uh, Palpatine had uh, in, in like divine immaculate conceptioned uh ray into like a a normie's body right like is that that was yeah. that was the theory he had brought up and i was actually that was actually became part of my my headcanon for a little bit because i'm like oh well that that actually makes the movie make a lot more sense um, well also the the big theory was that he also did that for anakin like that's why anakin was so powerful with the dark side is cuz he's the 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 previous time that we had immaculate conception in the Star Wars universe. The idea was that it was also Palpatine doing that. Um, yeah, but then that since... was supposedly proven. That was supposedly, you know, uh, hinted at in the comics. Right. But so I, I, I guess been... it has not technically been disproven for the movie, but at least uh, there was a tweet from at Culture Crave, right? Uh, where he says, like, Lucasfilm creative Matt Martin reiterates, Palpatine didn't create Anakin Skywalker with force. Uh, quote, this is all in Anakin's head, I can tell you definitively, as someone who worked on the comic, that is 100% not the intended implication that uh, Palpatine created Anakin, right? So yeah. if Palpatine didn't create Anakin, conceivably he could have still made Rey, right. I guess, right? Well, but, I mean, like, theoretically... The movie says explicitly he did make Ray. We just don't know if he made it the old-fashioned way or a new-fashioned way. <laughs> I, I love, you know? like, there's been a lot of, like, writing about, hey, when did Palpatine uh, impregnate someone? You know, and it yeah. would have been around the time. I, I don't During exactly the know opera. Where. Okay. Yeah. During the opera. It was around, yeah, it was around opera time, basically. But it, it's... Uh, what a fan of the arts. Come on. I, I, I think, you know, that's one thing that I've I've had trouble with is, like, Typically, when a movie like this comes out, I want to like dive into all. Oh yeah, when did that happen and all this stuff? But like, I feel like I shouldn't be putting more work into it than the movie is. You yeah, know what I mean? right. Like, I feel yeah. like, oh hey, I, I trust that the movie's putting in like a ton of work into thinking this through, and I just don't ha- like nothing in the movie like indicates that they did in the movie. So, right. so it's hard for me to get enthusiastic about diving into it. That being said, I have listened to a lot of analysis of the film, just not like in just not so much in like the theorizing of like how this all came together. How did Palpatine survive? I'm sure people will come up with a theory, but um, it's, it's not gonna be one. a whole mini yeah. mini series in, mini in series the comics, comics about a novella it. about yeah. it. All right, yeah. so a lot of um, I will say this before we get into other you know uh, gripes about the movie is that like. If there was one thing about the review of the movie that I kind of regret, or uh, there's a couple of things I regret, but one of them is that, um, you know, Jeff, when you and I saw Rise of Skywalker and, you know, uh, Luke Skywalker says, like, a, a, a Jedi always respects his weapon, you and I interpreted that as an F you to uh, Last Jedi, right? Because yes. in the opening scene of The Last Jedi, Luke Skywalker takes a lightsaber and throws it over his shoulder. And it's like, well, now Luke is like this. To be fair, to be fair to this movie, um, I I do think, like, I, I actually think the scene with Luke was very bad, you know, like, because the, the idea of, like, Luke and Leia knowing that Rey is a Palpatine and not telling her yeah. and, like, that, that, like, they, 
when when she shows up, Luke's like, who are you? Because presumably he doesn't know. But then you find out later he does, you know? So then it's like, how can she trust these people? And then she says she's a Skywalker. Anyway, um, but suffice to say, I I didn't think that scene was very good. But a a very generous reading of this film is that um, at the end of Last Jedi, Luke re-embraced his love of the Force. Now, I, I don't know that, like... Luke makes the ultimate sacrifice in Last Jedi. You know, I don't know that at the end of that movie, my understanding of it is that now Luke respects Jedi people again and he likes the Force again and he's back to his old self. Like, that's not necessarily the impression I get. But no. you could it, read it as, hey, you know, the events of Last Jedi made Luke back into, like, a respectable Jedi again uh, and he likes being a Jedi and that's why he says that at the uh, It in, never seemed like he hated the Force, by the way. He hated himself for what he allowed to happen. Like yeah. it's self-exiled. He exiled himself from the force. Is what I mean, to say, right? Right, yeah. right from the force. But yeah. that is also very similar to something that happens in Fallen Order, uh, which, yeah. How do you go from Mark Hamill in Last Jedi? By the way, I think one of his finest performances as an actor uh, to this scene in Rise of the Skywalker. Uh, so the other, and yeah. the other thing is that it, <clears throat> this movie completely ignores the sacrifice that Luke makes. It, yeah. It, that's a bummer. <laughs> it's a major bummer. Yeah, it's so, a major so, bummer. So hold, on, hold on, hold on. Before we get to that, though, like, what do you what do you make of that? Like, as I was thinking, like, when I was thinking, like, what criticisms did I make that were unfair? I think one of them was the the scene with Luke being an fu. It's like, well, you could plausibly read it at, as like at the end of Last Jedi, Luke kind of comes back to his old self, and that's who we see at the beginning of Rise of Skywalker. Or in so you're saying that it's yeah. it's it's him. Um, Saying to Ray, I was wrong to yes, reject I was you. wrong to like be such a dick in the last guys. Episode. Like I, I said this in the review. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, I said like I think it's not not even that. I think he can't. He's a jokey guy. This is Luke in like doing the in the Yoda role now fully yeah. and in the like Yoda trickster way. Like it is a wry comment, kind of kind of poking fun at what happened. I there are so many things this movie does against the Last Jedi. Where is that one line? Yeah, exactly. Like, okay, that's, that's I just want I, I wanted to that's acknowledge that and also acknowledge. Like Luke's arc in Last Jedi, I, I don't think it was well, you know, executed in this movie. Right. But I'm just saying, like theoretically, I understand what they're trying to do. So I, I think that's a, a plausible reading. Yeah. I think you have to work real hard to ignore the meta reading, because <laughs> that one moment had such a huge cultural right of him throwing away the the, the yes that was right? one of the I think the for the people for whom last Jedi feels like an insult. That is the moment where it started to feel that way, that they had spent literal years wondering how that cliffhanger right, at yeah. the end of the force awakens was going to pay off. They wanted, they, they were so excited about Luke being handed his lightsaber and they felt that the last Jedi was giving them the middle finger for even caring about that in that first moment. This is this is the whole thing of people getting too wrapped up up in their pop culture. By the way, it's like if if a movie does something that you don't expect, that doesn't that's not that's not a fuck you to you. You know, that's the movie. Just like watch the movie, let the movie do its thing, see where it's taking you. There are a lot. There's a lot of like personalized fan response to this movie because Star Wars means so many things to so many people. I think so. Well, that's hard. That's hard to take chances. Yeah, that's the criticism that's been leveled at me for this movie is that, you know, so many people on Twitter that like this movie said that, uh, Oh, it's my head cannon. That's getting in the way of me enjoying that this, that I can't just relax and enjoy it or, or exactly what you're saying, which is that 
I felt like it was a, uh, in an FU to me for liking last Jedi. And, and I understand how many people may interpret what I'm saying that way, but that's, I don't believe that's how I feel. I believe the movie is very clearly a reaction to episode eight instead of a continuation of episode eight. Oh, yeah. And I can't help but notice that and be irked by it. It's not because I had something in my head canon that I wanted to see. I mean, I, I thought the themes of episode eight were beautiful and really well articulated. And this movie just takes a complete left turn at Albuquerque, right. you know? And, and I, and I, right. I don't, I think there's a distinction there. I, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a good point, Jeff, and I, I agree overall that there's a lot of Last Jedi that is, like, undone. But I think, like, one of the things that I've been um, uh, discouraged by or, uh, you know, I, I haven't been a fan of is, like, there's just a lot of intentionality. Like, you, you can say, hey, yeah, I've, yeah. I've watched The Last Jedi, I've watched uh, Rise of Skywalker, and I think, like, my reading of the themes of Rise of Skywalker is that they, like, are undoing the themes of Last Jedi. I think that's completely fair. There's been a lot of uh, reading of, like, intentionality of, like, hey, uh, I- I've seen on more more than one occasion, multiple websites, being people being like, well, like, J.J. Abrams was, like, caving to the online trolls when he did X, Y, or Z. And I just don't think that's fair because I don't think that, A, we don't know anything about how this movie was made, right? Like we, or we know some, but we know what, what they have decided to tell us. And one day, hopefully, we'll find out more because it seems like a fascinating story. Um, probably a more entertaining story than the actual movie itself. But also, <laughs> um, uh, like, there's nothing in this movie, in my opinion, Rise of Skywalker, that is incompatible with The Force Awakens, right? It, so it just yeah. feels to yeah, me yeah, like yeah, yeah. this is J.J. Abrams. He's just wanting to finish the story that he started, wanting to play with the same toys he played with. He's in, like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you some set pieces, guys. I'm gonna give you yeah, a good time. Exactly. I'm gonna it give just, you a popcorn movie. Let's just let's just, have fun. Have yeah, fun. That's a lot of the crazy thing. Yes, I, I think that's accurate. But I, it, it is, you know, I've done a lot of improv in my life. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And there are certain people that you can improvise with that will come <laughs> in and start setting up a fun scene, and then you, as an improviser, are inspired by that. And you take the scene in a different place, and then they go, no, 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 no. Yeah. Let's go back to what I said it was, <laughs> yeah. which yeah. is terrible <laughs> improvisation. And if you're going to approach a trilogy of films as an improvisation where you hand it off, you know, there's that old improv game that I'm sure a lot of people have seen where you start telling a story. Or, you know, people pl- you don't even call it an improv game. You just kind of do this at a party where you say once upon a time and the next person in the circle says there was a bunch of goats. And then the next person says, and those goats went to the mall, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Th- that's th- this passing of the, the story around and you create this craziness and it's fun. But what you don't go is you go and the next person goes, no, they didn't. They didn't go to the mall. They went <laughs> to the hillside. You know, yeah, yeah that's and, and, not well, how you play it. Uh, agreed. He, JJ Abrams could have taken, could have yes. ended Ryan Johnson. Uh, yes. This movie could have yes ended. It would have felt more satisfying that yeah. way to me. That being said, you could make the same argument that like Last Jedi, you know, took J.J. Abrams' initial setup and you know took it in a whole diff- took a hard left turn there as well. Like, you know, yes, I think that's, a, yeah. that's that's that's. I mean, that's kind of why I, tr- I intentionally said that metaphor, which is yeah. like there were a bunch of goats and they went to the <laughs> mall. Okay, goats going to the mall isn't where you were going when you said there were goats, right? You didn't right. think the goats were going to go to the mall. You said goats, yep. thinking they were going to do goat stuff, and the next person said they're going to the mall. 
Well, you know what? Now there's goats at the mall. So let's figure out why that makes sense. You gave me the story. This is how the game is played. The goats are going to the mall. But saying they're not going to the mall is actually not how the game is played. Let's figure out how it can be cool that the goats are at the mall instead of taking the goats out of the mall again. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, totally. uh, Understood. And I think, you know, a huge part of this... um, this analogy making sense is the fact that it can only the game can only be played three times, basically, right? So like, sure. so, <laughs> there's only three instances. There's yeah. only three. There's only three instances of this game yeah. occurring. It's like step one, step two, step three. But um, so uh, one of the big things that has been attributed like a lot of intentionality to is uh, Kelly Marie Tran's character Rose Tico uh, barely being in this movie at all. I think um, somebody timed it, and it was uh, like she she's in the movie for I think around. 70 seconds, if I'm not mistaken. And most um, of that time saying, hey, I don't want to be in this movie, so please, please let me out. I don't want to have fun. Ben's like, hey, want to go on an adventure? She's like, no, nah, I gotta... I gotta yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, let's, let's, let's put aside the fact that, you know, the first Asian-American uh, Star Wars character is also the one that needs to stay behind to do homework while everyone else has adventures. <laughs> you know, yeah. let's just let's just yeah. like let's ignore I, that I, for I now. That a lot. That's like college like, me. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta study the violin. Yeah, I gotta, gotta, be, gotta I study, gotta study the ships before you know while he's going out there. Um, you know, so that's uh, not cool. I just gotta get it in. Yeah. Not cool. Not cool. Um, yeah. So, so she's in the movie for seventy six seconds of screen time, and really, like, th- this is a movie where you feel like. Wow, they really got to start wrapping these uh, st- plot lines up rather than introducing whole new characters, right? Which is what happens in the course of this movie. They're just he's introducing new characters. It's like you already have all these characters uh, to pay off. Finn, Poe, you know, like I don't, I don't feel like any of those characters gets a satisfying arc in this movie. Right. I, I did enjoy Poe's final scene with uh, with uh, what's her name, Carrie Russell's character, yeah. where he's just he's giving her a look, like, "Oh, we're gonna do this thing," and she's like, "No, like that, this is a nice this moment. Is not... It's a nice and moment." Then she turns but... to and then they have their bromance, and I think that like that's just told through looks, which is kind of fun. Yeah, it, it's a nice moment, but it's like uh, you know <laughs> what what was Finn's arc in this movie? He screams Ray a lot. And that's yeah. basically it, as far as I can tell. Well, and that, as, and that's a, that's a bummer because Finn is a pretty interesting character. You know, like he he has a really cool arc in episode eight. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, also episode in episode seven, he like decides to not be a stormtrooper anymore. Guys, I mean, guys, huge. they find rebel stormtroopers, the whole a whole like bunch of them, and like there's nothing like <laughs> there was no step back to be like, hey, all these stormtroopers are child soldiers. Maybe yeah. we should uh, maybe we should change up our plan. Maybe yeah, we that's should, like, I saw a great a different. Yeah, the film crit Hulk had a great series of tweets about that, where he's like, all the Star Wars movies up to Episode Nine are like, hey, these stormtroopers are faceless Nazis. Let's shoot them. Episode Nine is like, nah, they're all child, <laughs> they're <laughs> child, child slaves. And then, but then Episode yeah. Nine is Episode Nine is still like, no, no, let's yeah, still have let's fun shooting them. Let's mow them down anyway. Like that, they're <laughs> yeah. they mowing these people down, and it's like, well, I guess. Um, because those people chose to be child soldiers, I guess. Um, a- a- anyway, so Rose Tico, she's in this movie yeah. for 76 seconds, uh, which is a, a big come down from the roughly 10 or so minutes used in The Last Jedi. And uh, a lot of people said like, oh, J.J. Abrams or the filmmakers caving to the online trolls who hated on Rose Tico. And I just, I just don't 
believe that that like I don't believe that. I'm, JJ I'm sure Abrams there's a cares. deeper story there. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure there's a deeper story. And in fact, uh, Chris Terrio has come out. I mean, the thing is really confusing now at this point because basically, there is in the pocket. last in yeah. the time since the movie's come out, right, which was like a week <laughs> ago, there has been a massive backlash. Like it was trending on Twitter to the fact that Rose Tico has been basically cut out of this film. And then in an interview with uh, Awards Daily, Chris Terrio uh, essentially ex- like gave an explanation for why that happened, right? Uh, and he says, quote, one of the reasons that Rose has a few less scenes than we would like her to have has to do with the difficulty of using Carrie Fisher's, uh, Carrie Fisher's footage in the way we wanted to. We wanted Rose to be the anchor at the rebel base who was with Leia. We thought we couldn't leave Leia at the base without any of the principals who we love, so Leia and Rose were working together. As the process evolved, a few scenes we'd written with Rose and Leia turned out not to meet the standard of photorealism that we'd hoped for. Those scenes, unfortunately, fell out of the film, end quote. So, basically, I just think that as a a basic general matter, a movie is the result of thousands of decisions made by lots of different people. And it's very difficult to be able to attribute, like, hey... It's because these people were like unhappy with the fan backlash against Rostico. They decided to exclude her from the film. Now, it's possible they did, and maybe he's lying about this. Um, and I think that's extremely possible. But I'm just saying, like, no one truly knows, in my opinion. It, However, did you see? Yeah, no, yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm, do, I'm getting to it. Today, he released a statement that walked back the other statement he gave about why Rostico uh-huh. was on the movie. He said, "Quote." I badly misspoke in an earlier statement in which I imply that any cutscenes between Rose and Leia were the fault of our VFX team and the Wizards at ILM. Um, he says that this, the specific scene in question was actually cut in the, at the script stage before the VFX work was done um, because Leia's wow. emotional state in Episode 7 did not seem to match the God scene we wrote God for Episode 9. By, so, by the way, this statement is what happens after a, a couple of like ILM thugs just show up at your house and be like, <laughs> what did you say? We're not working hard enough, sir? He says, and then no. he says, "quote If we had, if he had chosen to use the scene, ILM would have made it look perfect. They always do. ILM perform miracles <laughs> at every stage of the process. Wow. In episode nine, with the laser pointer at his head, he was Bravo writing this. Bravo to the yeah. VFX team for having some <laughs> muscle. But it's that's that is a hilarious walk back because it's like, <laughs> yeah, man, this we all watched the scene. It just didn't fit, you know. We and then later it's like, no, no, we we never shot it. We never, <laughs> we never even shot it. So it's not like." It's not like, oh, I overstated how the visual effects were the problem. It's that I fabricated a moment of viewing a thing we didn't make. Yeah, yeah. So I now I'm like, okay, I don't trust anything this guy says anymore. And yeah. but that being said, I, I, my, my original point remains, though, that like we don't know if like they had intended some grand Rose storyline that was cut at the last minute because of XYZ reasons. Like, we, we just have no idea why it was cut. That being said, uh, according to reports I've read, like Rose Tika or Kelly Tran, uh, weeks before the release of the film, was saying she was really excited about her scenes with Ray in the movie uh-huh. uh, because she had shot scenes with Ray uh, in the promotional images of the film. She is pictured with Ray in the movie. There are no no scenes of her with Ray, so it's like probably they had shot some scenes with her and Ray. Uh, they shot some scenes with her and me. Like maybe they had thought of shooting them with uh, Leia, and they're just like none of this is working. Somehow they made that decision in this film, even though it doesn't feel like they they made that decision very often, and they decided to just cut. Like we, I, I, but either way, I don't think it was. Hey, like we don't like you know Kelly Marie Tran yeah. or Rose. Like it's it's just incompetence. 
basically. It, it could be incompetence. It could be, yeah. you know, just production realities. It, it's uh, just amazing to me that this movie can find three different MacGuffins to get you to the damn <laughs> Sith true. planet and no, no room. For for Rose Tico, hundred percent reasonable reaction. I, I, I think a lot of people yeah. have been like, "Well, once they found out, couldn't they have written yeah. more scenes?" And it's like, "Well, maybe." Kelly no, no, Marie no. Fran the words are written in cement, and they may never be changed. Well, it's, like we, nothing can change. Right? That that's fair, Devinger. But it's also like we just don't know what the production realities were. They had very little time to put together this movie. Maybe by the yeah. time they discovered the problem, it was too. We just don't know. We what talked the about all this we too. Like he yeah. he had little, very little prep time, less yeah. prep time than even Force Awakens. Correct. Like there Correct. there are a lot of issues. Going a lot into of issues. Movie. A lot it's of issues. Just, so I'm just saying. Just be, yeah. Uh, here's my, my overall advice: be skeptical. Be skeptical sure, of sure, people sure. who say they bowed to you know uh, fan backlash. Be skeptical of the explanation of why that wasn't the case. Be skeptical of me telling you to be, spe- ske- yeah. be skeptical. You know, like just be <laughs> oh, that's skeptical. Good. Trust everything. nobody. That's, that's you, that's you know what? What is good? What like if you if you feel like us and feel like maybe a little that th- this movie didn't live up to your standards. One thing that has helped me lately, uh, not just CBD, but also like really uh, <laughs> just just like. Get, get your breathing control in. Just like let let like there are these online arguments that just flare up, and also I'm seeing like people I love and respect online being like, "Hey, I love this movie. I don't understand all the like negativity. Ever all these cynical people out here. Uh, these are like um yeah people." People running for office, you know, for political office, like talking about the movie as if like you can't say anything bad about it. And that's where I'm like, okay, I'm just not I'm not going to respond to anybody. I'm not going to I'm not just not going to do anything. I'm just going to let it pass because this is just Star Wars. Just just embrace the rich tapestry of the human experience and that everyone can have a different experience of this movie. I Um, I agree with you. It is. It's the. The reality, anytime you've ever actually been yes. a part of the making of something yes. and yep. then you hear yes. people talking about how that thing was made, yep. they're almost always 100% wrong yep. in every assumption that they made. Yep, yep, yep. That yep. said... <laughs> <laughs> here it comes, here it comes. Here taking, it comes. An, taking an aggregate, man, it <laughs> is hard for that Rose data point to not feel like another data point in the... Uh-huh elimination of everything episode eight you know it just feels like particularly this was because, an episode eight character so it's not in this movie yeah and particularly because like why i just don't get why they're introducing brand new characters at this point when they can't even give the proper attention to the characters that they already have right yeah. you already have all these characters in your toy box you know i, I don't understand why they didn't give more attention to them so by, by the way one, one thing i want to bring up i forget if i mentioned this in the review but we kept talking about like how this movie had to wrap up uh, this trilogy, had to wrap up all these characters. It also had to wrap up the original trilogies, like the, all, the past, you know, the prequels and the original trilogy. I don't... Who said this movie had to do that? Who put a <laughs> yeah. gun to J.J. Abrams' head and was like, listen, you know, Return of the Jedi, not enough. We gotta... We, we gotta do Return of Return of the Jedi. Well, I, I do think it had been communicated by Kathleen Kennedy, if I'm not mistaken, that, like, this would be... Uh, a trilogy that wrapped up the entire Skywalker franchise. Well, I, I think that's that's a that is a vestige of a, sure. a, a comment that George Lucas made in 1984, right, where he right. said, "I originally thought of it as a trilogy of trilogies," yeah, and then that became somehow the final word on it. But you can I, wrap up these characters without literally resurrecting the past. Like, yeah, yeah no, no, for sure. I, I agree with you. I think they made tons of terrible decisions, but I also, I, I also don't think the desire to wrap up the entire trilogy of trilogies comes out of nowhere. Is what I'm saying. So. Uh, I feel that. I feel that. Yeah, but that that being yeah. said, I mean, I, I I think, 
you know, I'm trying to think like what what would the alternate version of this have looked like? So you think of like the alternate start- version of this movie is just Ray versus Kylo. Right. That's it. Agreed. That is the conflict. Clearly, that is what was set up for three movies. Clearly yeah. that would have been a better a better choice in my opinion. But like I think I think of also like actually, you know what? I was gonna bring up an alternate thing. I'm not even gonna do that. You're right. Yeah, they yeah. should have just stuck with the characters they had, and I think that would have been better. Particularly because I think the redemption of Kylo. This is a character who has committed genocide. You know what I mean? Or, or at least, at least been complicit in it. Apparently, you know? apparently, he was unaware of the genocide, which The Force Awakens did not make clear. But the novelization. Oh, that's right. That's says right. That's that, right. Oh, he was surprised that they actually used the weapon he's been fighting to, you know, build. So. Um, yeah, yeah, but I mean, he's he, we've seen uh, he's shown in this movie murdering lots of people at the opening scene, right? And so, they're bad people. They're the, bad people. Yeah, sure, sure, bad people who are holding on to this wayfinder. But yeah. uh, I, I mean, I think that for me, that's a, that's a disappointment of the movie is that like the, his the redemption of Kylo Ren kind of happens a little bit too quickly. And I, I think you're right, Devendra, that like if this movie had primarily been a Kylo Ren thing, it might have been a little bit better. You don't um, need Pal- what if what if need any external threat. Because he yeah. is the threat. Yeah. Exactly. I agree with that 100%. And I know you guys hate it when I pitch alternate ideas. But um, <laughs> but it seems to me that a very plausible reading of a nine-episode arc is that once upon a time, there were a whole bunch of Jedis. And then this one dude eliminated all of them. And then later on, a generation later, there's a whole bunch of Jedis again. Yeah. That seems to me like a great arc. And that is exactly how episode eight ends, where it's like, oh, anybody can be a Jedi. There's a lot of Force-sensitive people out there. There's this kid with this broom. There's a whole lot of kids with brooms. The Episode nine could have been about Rey defeating uh, Kylo to then bring back an, a whole bunch of Jedi so that everybody can be a Jedi. And it's like... This awesome, we're back to being, you know, pre-Clone Wars when the Jedi's were the knights of the world, and we could all be Jedi, Jedi's everywhere. And then I, you I have, don't, I don't even know if she needed to defeat Kylo. Like this, it's this, it's weird how this movie went back to like, oh, there is good and there is bad, and that is that, and good defeats bad, and you know, right. we live happily ever after. Whereas I think Last Jedi was like, what was interesting was the idea of like the moral quandaries of Rey being pulled to the dark side and her dealing with her own sense of self and Kylo being pulled to the light. And like, it is weird how these concepts of what this, you know, these movies have been building up have been basically jettisoned just to give us the emperor again, when they had all the pieces they needed, they gave us all the clues. They didn't need to do this again. <laughs> Mr. Yeah. Police, they gave us all the clues, but yeah. also, uh, you know, Jeff, you also pointed out, I think it was Jeff or maybe Devinger pointed out earlier that like, um, the, the battle of crate, right? Like they're listening to this at the end of last Jedi, they're listening to the stories of the battle of crate. Uh, mm-hmm. and like, Oh wow. Like this is the spark that creates a fire that burns down their belt, right, you know? Right. And, Yep, completely unacknowledged in this nope. movie. Um, all they need is Lando to round everyone up, basically. Um, and he's good at rounding Jermaine, people up. Yeah. Jermaine had a great uh, tweet also. Jermaine Lucier friend, from IO9, yep. Yeah, our friend Jermaine Lucier, uh, who he said, you know, just throw us a bone and literally just have that be the the puppet show that they see on that festival planet <laughs> you know like literally it doesn't even do that it doesn't even yeah. say hey yeah. this story has permeated the galaxy you have literally a puppet show moment and you have a story in episode eight that's supposed to be permeating the galaxy nope can't even throw us that bone yeah so, so i have a couple other things i want to mention one of them is that um 
you know, I uh, gave a personal reaction to the same-sex kiss that happens at the end of this movie. Uh, and certainly uh, I will walk that back for a variety of reasons. Number one is I think that like a lot the of people... visual effects were not good enough <laughs> in that scene. A lot of people uh, were really unhappy with that for reasons that Devinder brought up on the show, which is that um, uh, it is... It, it, but, but the most passing of references that uh, it seems like Disney wants to claim credit for. And I do think that probably one of the more interesting... Uh, uh, responses to something like this is the idea of this thing called the Russo test. Have you heard of this? Um, named after Glad mm-hmm. co-founder and film historian Vito Russo. It's basically a, a, uh, a LGBTQ version of the uh, Bechdel test, which is like it evaluates movie based on three criteria. Number one, the film contains a character that is identifiably lesbian, gay, bisexual, and or transgender. Number two, the character must not solely be defined by their sexual orientation or gender identity. And number three, they must be tied to the plot in such a way that their removal would have a significant effect. Meaning they are not there, there to simply provide colorful commentary, paint uh, authenticity, or set up a punchline the character should matter. Uh, and I think you know that that is a very reasonable thing to ask for, like what yeah. you want representation to stand for. Representation and, shouldn't be set dressing, basically. Right. I, I think, so I think it's a pretty basic standard. Yeah, uh, agreed completely. And I, I apologize if I in any way came across as like uh, not feeling the same way. I, I will also say that uh, Disney removed that shot of the kiss from the Singaporean version of the film. So really, um, they care more about, like in this instance, they cared more about, you know, um, having a good relationship with the government of Singapore and making money off of that territory than in, like, it it would be a a different thing if like Singapore or China was like, no, you must remove it. And they're like, you know, we're going to keep it in. Then I'd be like, okay, well, I understand people thought that this was inadequate, but at least they had like the courage of their convictions um, that is not the case. So I, I completely walk back any positive comments I had about that scene. Well, I mean, I see what you're <laughs> saying, though, Jeff. Like, Dave, what you were saying was that if you had seen it when you were a kid, like, that would have given you a glimpse of something. I think back then, yeah, 20, 30 years yeah, ago, yeah, yeah, for sure. it would have been very different. Well, but Today, also, I don't uh, think that. But also, yeah. a component of what I said was, like, basically this corporation um, standing up for representation in in the face of people who would would not have it, and that is kind of I- eliminated by this whole Singapore thing. You yes. know what I mean? Like that yes. that was a component Complete. that that was implicit in what I was saying, and it's no lo- it's no longer the case because now the movie <laughs> has come out, and we know that they didn't do that. So like so just. Uh, it, just completely forget that I said anything about that scene, and just read read one of the many people online. <laughs> this is online not who the comment written, you were looking. Yeah, for. this is not yeah. the comment you were looking for. Read one of the many articulate people uh, online who wrote about that scene and why uh, it is not nearly uh, enough in terms of representation. So, um, and then finally, a uh, couple of the things I wanted to mention that like there's just like a few little like plot things I wanted to mention, and then. Uh, I know we're running, <laughs> shockingly, we're running long in this episode, but uh, I was watching Jenny Nicholson's uh, video review of, of the uh, uh, of the film, and she brought up something that I didn't even think about, which was there was a scene when uh, Kylo Ren and Rey are, like, trying to pull a transport down, uh, like, they're, they're trying to, like, get control of your transport using the Force, Right. And they pull the transport ship down, and like you think Chewie has died, but he didn't really die, right? You all know what I'm talking about, right? Yep. Um, uh huh. And uh, J- J- uh, Jenny Nicholson brought up the point, like, 
why didn't Kylo have a reaction to the fact that Chewie died? You know, because presumably Chewie was like a family friend when he was little. You know what I mean? Like, it would have been interesting <laughs> yeah. to see him have a reaction to like, hey. Chewie uh, helped raise him. Right. Is he aware that Chewie is on that transport, though? It's a good question because. She does shout Chewie, but. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> She does shout you, but maybe he knows she's not Very on there. Very loudly. And he's like, yeah. I want you to think he's on there. Anyway, okay. Um, other thing is, like, I think the idea of, like, force healing, which uh, we've seen in, like, video games. Wait, wait, and, wait, 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 wait. Before uh, you get there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the first time I've comprehend. I've, I've taken the time to think through the ramifications. <laughs> I knew of you would appreciate up, this. I knew you'd growing appreciate Growing up with this. Uncle Chewie. Yes. I Uncle, knew Chewie. Like Uncle Chewie, who shot him after he murdered his father, too. Like, yeah. that was a thing. I mean, like. They have a Talk great dynamic. When you're, you're four years old and Chewie is, <laughs> is your dad's best friend oh, and you man. get to ride on Chewie's lap in the Millennium Falcon? Come on. <laughs> it would have been amazing. Like, yeah, how formative would that have been? They had so much potential of, like, the relationships with the, between these characters they could have used. Anyway. Um, okay, force healing. Wanted to mention the force healing and how, like, mm-hmm. if you think about it, it kind of, like breaks the universe in my oh, opinion oh completely totally. you, you know yeah. so if you rewind to like phantom menace right like there's a scene where uh qui-gon jinn gets stabbed in the chest and then like yeah. obi-wan rushes in and he's like why doesn't he heal qui-gon jinn well he he, yeah. he was just a trainer he, like he was, <laughs> he was not a full-fledged he's a trainer. Master. okay he well um a- when anakin returns to his mom and she's just She's still alive. He's just a kid. He's just a kid. But she, okay, super <laughs> yeah. special. Super, but she's super special. Palpatine no. kid. Yeah, super she special. has super special. No one else is By the way, shown doing it. Speaking speaking of trans media, uh, you know, pollination. There, did you guys realize what happened in Mandalorian right before Skywalker came out? Well, yeah, maybe, I mean, maybe Yoda did force maybe Yoda healing. Did force it. healing is demonstrated in Mandalorian. He yeah. introduced yeah force yeah. healing. Oh, basically, crap. That goes yeah. that idea. Yeah. So there you go. It does take away a bit of your life. So there is like a cost to it, but it's still like, yeah, it does break a lot of things. Ideally, you go back, you watch all these things again, and you're like, oh, it all makes more sense now. But now it's like, it makes less sense now because of the force. Yeah, you're right. The cost of it, uh, Obi-Wan would totally not have done that for Qui-Gon or, you know. (laughs) Good good point about the cost. Fuck that guy. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And then finally, I think that um, a lot of people have pointed out that it's weird for the movie to end in Tatooine because like Ray goes back to Tatooine to like bury the lightsabers. And a lot of people ask like, why does she go back to Tatooine? Like, yeah. no, nobody like Luke hated that place. And yes. the only time that Leia was there was when she was enslaved by Jabba the Hutt. So like, yeah. it's not like it holds any particular emotional significance to them. It, it's because it holds emotional significance to the audience. Yes. That, yeah. and that is this entire movie. Yeah. And that's why, that's why it can't withstand a single why, <laughs> you know, like yeah. why, why does Maz Kanata give a medal to Chewie? It would have been funny if when she went back to, uh, to Tatooine, if the, uh, the scorched corpses of the aunt and uncle were still there. It's yeah. like, just like, Oh, nobody cleaned that up. Oh, well. I mean, but that, that's what this, this movie is trying. And that's why I hate the subtitle of this movie so much. Because it is the, the subtitle of this movie is a gift to the audience. It, it is not a gift to the story. Nothing is, is a gift to the story. And nothing movie. in this movie is a gift to the story. It's yeah. all a gift to the audience. It's all fan service. Giving the the medal to Chewie makes no fucking sense. They just do it. Her going to Tatooine makes no fucking sense. They just do it. It is 
the, it is just gifts of what will make us all feel warm and fuzzy when we walk out. And I did. I felt warm and fuzzy when I walked out. But then that cotton candy melted in my mouth. And I was like, there's not actually anything here. It was just fluff. You had a sticky mouth and no water nearby. I, I, I think it like, really yeah. took like, yeah, it took a few days of being away from the film to register how awful that final scene was. Because oh, it's just, no, no, it's I just, got yeah, you know, there's a moment when like this woman is in the middle of freaking nowhere, right? And she walks up to her and she's like, "Who are you? What's your name?" And it's like, "What the? F- Why is this woman yeah. here in the middle of nowhere?" You know, like she's yeah. there just so she can deliver this horrible line of like, "Well, what's your last name?" And it's like, yeah, "Butt out, person!" Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the guy who gave you Martha. Yeah. yeah, my last name is Bobo Blast. What is the hell is it to you? Who cares? <laughs> it's, uh, it's just if this was in any other film, it would be. I mean, I mean, it, it is unacceptable even in this film. But, but in any case, they okay, could've, they could have just cut to black. By the way, imagine like that is that is like so many movies. By the way, of mm. like, hey, Inception what are you style here? ending of like, mm. yeah, what she does smiles, she say? Cut right. to black. Yeah, um, there was there was something. Yeah, I wish you oh, said. Walking- uh, what's your last name? Palpatine, yeah, and then well, like, screams uh, and runs away. No, that, that actually. So some people have suggested that she she should have said that because like the part of the movie, right? If the movie can be said to have a theme, it is that you can overcome or like you can be your own person even apart from I, I your still name. Don't think or, she would like even thematically. I don't think she would actually take that. But she's like, I'm Ray Palpatine. I'm bringing Palpatine back, baby. Bring like, it back, Pal- baby. Pal- I'm going to change Palpatine to be like a good thing now. You, you know what I mean? Like. Just like, call me that, Ray that Pal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ray Pal. Name. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, By the way, what is, what is Emperor Palpatine's first name? Is it like Carl? Sheev, I believe, is his first name. Oh, is it Sheev? Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Ah. Right. Anyway, Devinjo, you were going to say something? Uh, I was going to say so. Oh, walking out of the screening. So I saw it, uh, the first like morning screening here in New York, and I walked out in a daze, and I turn around, I see Matt Patches, I see Karen Hahn, and we all just like look at each other. You know, it was just like a sense of like collective commiseration so i thank the movie for that because I, I i felt like coming out of it as like oh i hate all of this and i'm glad <laughs> that at least <laughs> i had a lot of other people to talk about what a mess this was so, all right i want to i want to get through uh, you know i know you got to go divendra i, I want to get through a couple emails here this one comes in from casper casper writes in uh about uh the the subject of this email is who's your daddy he writes jeff canada I can't understand why you think the exploration of family legacy is so much less meaningful than the trope of an individual nobody becoming a somebody. The latter is, for what it's worth, a highly American slash individualist cultural concept that doesn't necessarily resonate for everyone. In many cultures and in many households, overcoming the burden of the family is literally the great uh, greatest struggle of a person's life, end quote. Uh, and Casper goes to an example here, but Jeff, you had a response to this, right? Well, I don't know. I, you don't want to read the, the example? Uh, Are you doing that for brevity or for for, for for both brevity and I mean like what 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 is your response like? I, I think I don't know. For me, the reason that this email is so powerful is because of the example. It's a very personal example, uh, and I, I, you know I was going to respond directly to that, but I can okay. understand if you don't feel like it is uh, if you feel like it is too personal for us to. I, I will read. I will read it because just because you had a response prepared, but here we go. He says uh, here, days before seeing Rise of Skywalker, my wife's alcoholic and occasionally abusive father died suddenly. 
So instead of seeing the film with me and our children, she had to fly home and deal with the mess he left behind. For her, figuring out what her relationship was and will continue to be to that legacy is a struggle of her lifetime. Sometimes who your daddy is or was really does matter. And finding the strength to decide to be someone different is how you create a meaningful life. I can't think of a more emotionally resonant or powerful theme. Now, I, I will just say that... I, I think that's a very powerful email. I think it's a very... And I, I'm glad we read it. Sure. I, I hope that's okay for Casper that we did. But there's a very powerful email. So I'm glad, you know, I think that that last section is really why it landed for me. Yeah. And go ahead. What were you going to say? Well, I was just going to say that I agree with him that the idea, there's a reason I think why this, these movies don't do as well in China as like other movies. It's because it, it is a distinctly American idea of like, Hey, you can become anything, you know, it doesn't matter where you came from. Um, it, it's distinctly American. And, and I think that like, I'm not saying, therefore, we shouldn't have like this movie shouldn't have embraced it, but I do think that like it's culturally specific where people get the most value out of certain themes. So, what was sure. your response? Well, I want to be very respectful uh, to this email and to the to the personal example that was presented. And since Casper brought it up, I want to use the metaphor that he's uh, expressed with regard to his wife and her struggle with dealing with her alcoholic father, which can have been easy and and is is a real thing and I, nothing I'm trying to make light of in any way at all. Um, but I think that in his example here, what he's saying is that she dealt with this her entire life and had to deal with the baggage of who she was her whole life. The That is what Ray deals with in episode eight. She deals with this feeling of being abandoned and not knowing who she was and not knowing that her parents were just nobodies. And that, as we read Ryan Johnson actually saying explicitly, that was the most difficult thing that she could hear is that they were nobody. Th that is exactly mm -hmm. the same kind of thing that your wife is dealing with. And I think yeah. it is it is a one-to-one -one comparison. Now, if you were to say that your wife, and, and forgive me for using this as an example, but if you were to say that your wife struggled with alcoholism her whole life, not knowing who her father was, and then one day realized her father was an alcoholic and it kind of made sense why she was an alcoholic, that is a, a discovery moment with it, that this sort of revelation in the spirit of what Luke goes through, where he is dealing with this feeling of being pulled by the dark side and not knowing you know, where he is. And then all of a sudden, oh my gosh, your dad is the dark side. That is a revelation. But we never see Ray struggle with that. We never see, there's no sense in the first two movies, even in JJ's first movie, there's no sense of Ray being pulled to the dark side. There, There's, I, I will say there's, there is some of that. There, I mean, but like, it, there's no sense of her like struggling with why do I why do I feel these things? Why why yeah. is it so strong? This movie in me? also gives us the flash of uh, Fang Ray in Evil Ray. Like there, yeah, there is a bit and in that. that movie, yeah. uh, so yeah, to be fair to to this movie, right? There is a scene in Last Jedi where Luke gets extremely freaked out by Ray. Yeah. You know, he like, went he, straight to the dark. You went straight to the dark side. Like I've never seen anyone even go yeah. straight. You know, he's like, wow, you went so fast to the dark side. This power, like it scared me, Luke Skywalker. You know, like yeah. So there, there is Last some time that happened, components. I tried to kill somebody. Yeah. Yeah. So so okay. Uh, yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. But but I I, f I feel like this movie doesn't really even pay off that revelation in her. And it not is really, yeah. it is not it is not simply that. Ray 
you know, didn't have to deal with who she was. It's that in episode eight, she was trying to deal with who she was. And that, Mm -hmm. and the thing that she discovers is just as difficult as anything anybody else would discover about yeah. their life. She has I, to I think, by the way, what this way. movie, what this movie ends up doing is like when the Palpatine revelation happens, she gets mad that Palpatine murdered her parents. Basically like that is, that's a lot of like what is driving her through the second and last part of this movie. Um, and I mentioned this, like you could see it in the fight scenes, but it's the movie doesn't have enough room to breathe where people have actual conversations. Nobody actually talks to each other yeah. in this movie. Like they're shouting at each other. There's no like sense of like getting to Finn know is, what people Finn are is thinking. screaming Ray the whole time. That is all his dialogue. Yeah. But in the fight scenes, Ray is fighting like a dark sider. Like Ray is fighting angrily, you know, with Kylo, where he's actually kind of laid back through that whole big water fight. So there is make any yeah. sense that Palpatine would kill her parents. Like they're hit. One of them is his kid, right? <laughs> hey man, doesn't, doesn't matter which, don't we don't know Spot. which side. We don't know which don't side though, Spot. Jeff. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So uh, Ben from San Francisco agrees with you. He says here, uh, the reveal of both Ray's lack of noble blood and the force sensitive child slave on Cantabite redemocratize the force. To become a hero, in this case a powerful Jedi, one does not need to come from a royal family. I always liken this to the end of Ratatouille where the food critic Anton Ego learns anyone can cook. what anyone can cook really means. Not everyone can become a great artist, but a great artist can come from anywhere. By making Rey a Palpatine, it does not matter what choices she makes in The Rise of Skywalker, nor does it matter that she isn't necessarily chosen one. Her natural talent with the Force is now entirely because she is a Palpatine. The three of you basically made that point, but Peter pushed back, making a familiar argument from the detractors of The Last Jedi that Star Wars is a big mythical story, and it should maintain the mythical elements in both its storytelling and its characters. I could not disagree with this more. In the original Star Wars, Luke is a nobody. He is a twice-orphaned farm boy who rises above his station and gains magical powers not because of some bloodline, but because he believes in himself. I'm talking strictly about how this movie would have been interpreted upon its release in 1977. He might have been the son of a Jedi, but his royalty was not revealed until Empire Strikes Back, and his connection to a messianic myth was not established until the prequels. In the text of the movie, it's not Luke's heritage that allows him to beat the bad guy. It's his actions, end quote. Um, Anyway, so I I thought this was an interesting email from Ben. Um writing to slash filmcast.gmail.com that basically is like making us recontextualize Star Wars episode four in the context of when that movie came out, which is, he just is a guy that came from nowhere, right? Like, and and that's what Last Jedi tried to capture. Um, But, you know, just, uh, you know, by the same measure though, just as Empire Strikes Back undid that in some ways, so did Rise of Skywalker undo what, I mean, Rise of Skywalker literally has a scene literally has a scene where Palpatine tries to extract what's special about Rey and Kylo from them. Like, he's literally extracting their specialness. Right, right. You know, there, there's like this special something power, in them. The power, sure. Right, but it's but it's only because it's them. It's there's He wouldn't yeah. have been able to extract just any Jedi juice. Well, he's uh, literally uh, extracting the specialness of them to feed well, himself. It's their entire life force, or like whatever, like gobbledygook he's saying. Like nothing, nothing Palpatine says in this movie makes any goddamn sense. Well, forget about, like, forget not about what he says. It, forget about what he yeah. says, Devendra. His plan makes no sense because I think well, yes, I, nothing I, works. I, I, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure in uh, Episode Eight, um, like uh, Last Jedi, right? Correct me mm-hmm. if I'm wrong, but doesn't uh, doesn't Snoke tell Kylo to assassinate Ray? Like 
He's yeah. like, hey, now it's the time like you're gonna strike down Ray right in front of me, right? So like, why? Uh, don't don't think about this. What, what, Too if, hard. if Snoke was really being powered by <laughs> Palpatine, why would he have said that? Now then, it's like, okay, well, Palpatine knew Kylo was gonna betray him, and that's yeah, why I he clearly, did that. <laughs> I clearly can't drink the vial in front of me. That's what it, that's what that scene was all about. Six-dimensional Sith. He's chess, he's playing six-dimensional chess basically. Yeah. It, and then it's like, okay, what well, he's like, you must, you know, like, I'm I'm pretty sure he tells Kylo to like that the girl is like all that stands in their way right at the beginning of this movie as. As well if i'm not mistaken sure um so and, and then there's a bigger question of like okay you need ray to complete the ritual but why not why not kylo why why can't kylo he has like you know powerful blood Vader in him blood. as well yeah um why why can't why can't you just use kylo for your purposes you know also it's it's really funny that the, they go with this sort of highlander there can be only one sith thing yeah but like yeah. strike me down so i can be because literally explicit in the prequels is there's always two with yeah. the slit sith like they literally say with the sith there are always two and <laughs> palpatine is like there can be only one it definitely you reconfigures know? a lot of like sith theory for sure i'll just say as we wrap up here that um uh, there was an email from Jay from Newcastle and a few other people as well uh, writing into slashfromcastgmail.com basically saying that like this movie uh, had brought them together with loved ones. You know, like they had watched this movie with a, a, a strange relative. They watched it with kids and they s- saw the wonder in their children's eyes basically light up uh, as they watched this film. Sure. And I, I think that's something I've been struggling with uh, over the well, course that's of the week. power of popular entertainment, right? It's like, popular, it is, yeah. It's but, how it works. It's also the power of Star Wars in the sense that, yeah, yeah, the, the pure iconography that George Lucas managed to channel with this series is has a potency all its own. There is something that is just inherently mm-hmm. magical, and it's not good all good versus evil. Lucas. There's basic storytelling. No, no, going no it's on not here. even yeah, that. Yeah. It's, it's it's like laser swords and. <laughs> And, you know, samurai helmets that look like yeah. skulls and, you know, thing, the, the, the pure design of this world. And obviously not all George. He had a lot of talented people around him that contributed and have done for generations. But just the pure look and feel of Star Wars, the sound effects, the music, the things that make the experience a Star Wars experience are potent and are effective on yeah. a visceral level, not just with nostalgia. I think new generations are drawn to it, and it is something that really resonates. And and you almost can't screw it up too much. There's also there's just like a baseline pleasure level of seeing this iconic uh, iconography at play. Yeah. That you know you can't deny. Yeah, and I, I think that's a great place to end it because basically, you know, I, I just want to acknowledge that like a lot of people do still love this franchise. But I think that's the thing that's been so difficult for me is realizing that uh, this franchise is no longer for me. You know, like that's, that's been a thing that I've tried to come to terms with over the course of last week. And I've tweeted a lot about this, but basically like seeing what the reaction was to this movie and, and, and seeing like how split Mm -hmm. it has been and seeing how like the movie is basically completely incomprehensible to me in terms of like, (laughs) Just like from a basic plot perspective, I, I understand what is happening, but as yeah. you said, like if you ask why, nothing makes sense. You, you know, it's just it's. And, but but seeing that like lots of people enjoy it despite that, it's just like there's a voice inside me that's like David, 
this is no longer for you. And I, I do feel like you're you're taking this to an extreme, Dave. This is one this is one incoherent movie. We we have a lot this franchise has a lot of room to grow and expand. Like go if you're really disappointed by this movie and how incoherent it is, I think the Mandalorian, like the full season tells a really good story. Even if you were not like really into the first couple episodes. Like I think there's some nice reveals. There's some good character building. There's some great like plot work within the Star Wars universe. Uh the Force, uh not the Force, the Fallen Order game does some amazing stuff. I, I'm gonna with, play I'm gonna yeah, play Fallen yeah, Order. There's and, stuff. And I've heard like the season finale of Mandalorian is good. You know, so I might check Directed it out. Directed by but, Taika Watiti. Yeah, that no, is a I, great I've heard, Star Wars movie. I, I've heard the yeah. first like a few few minutes of that episode are really good. But I, I mean, as you know, like everyone is raving about Mandalorian opening few episodes, and I'm like, I just don't think this is for me anymore. You know, like well, I, I think oh, I'm well, done. Okay, here's I think a, here's I'm a, done a, with this franchise. Basically, here's a silver lining for you, yeah. Dave. Yeah. Now that we're done, we've closed the book on the so-called Skywalker saga. Yeah. Maybe this is really the unshackling of this mythos, this iconography, this this universe. Maybe mm-hmm. now cinematically we have you know if we're still going to maybe even get this ryan johnson trilogy or the i know we're not going to get the game of thrones dudes doing a trilogy or whatever the next movies are that kevin feige is going to oversee maybe this will be what it needs to enter into a new golden age of star wars where we're not so strapped down by the skywalkers this is why you're great jeff like you're taking the hopeful the hopeful long view here maybe this and dave is is like burn it all right now yeah It is great. By the way, like one thing I don't think we really made clear to me, the biggest problem of this trilogy (laughs) is the fact that there was no there was no coherent vision throughout the whole thing. And I think if you look back to the original trilogy and even how like slapdash the original trilogy was, at least it was like Lucas and other directors and other writers, but mainly like Lucas is like the visionary for like where the story goes. So there is a sense of like unity to that vision and the way like I think of the way like Peter Jackson uh, adapted Lord of the Rings. You know, you couldn't you couldn't have somebody else just come in and do Two Towers or Return of the King. That had to be like him and his team and like everybody working on something entirely. So I hope the Ryan Johnson trilogy happens and I hope it like sticks with like his vision, even if he doesn't end up directing them all. I hope it ends up being like a coherent thing. Like that's to me the biggest thing we've learned here. Let me can I ask you guys one final question? Yep. If you could snap your fingers and have all three movies, uh, these last three movies, seven, eight, and nine directed by JJ Abrams, him to do the whole trilogy. Would you have wanted that? hundred percent. hundred percent. Yeah. 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 Because, I <laughs> because I mean, we wouldn't, we wouldn't have gotten last Jedi, but I, I value a coherent, I think the net positive. Yeah. Would have been I, I value yeah. a coherent trilogy more than I value like one particularly great film. And I think like I was just really let down by this one. You know, there is a line. I at was the beginning, way more let down by Force Awakens personally. But there mm-hmm. is a line at the beginning of Force Awakens. The, fir- the first line of that movie is this will begin to make things right. You know, when yeah. he hands the map over and it, it's a, it's a meta commentary, I think, about um the, that the prequels were so disillusioning for so many people, and uh, and this is like this movie is going to start to like bring people back into the fold, yeah. and uh, I really allowed myself to hope, like I got myself my hopes up that like this is all going to make sense in the end, that they're going to put the thought and care into this, that's going to mm-hmm. make it all pay off and be satisfying in the end, and they didn't, in my opinion, and I, I just. I, I'm I'm 
honestly, I'm tired of hoping that it'll be good. Like <laughs> I, I, like you know, I got my hopes up for the prequels, and it's like, mm, like there's interesting ideas, new worlds. You know, um, it's not like they're they're completely devoid of any, of any merit whatsoever. Right. Um, the groundbreaking from a from a digital technology perspective, but it's just like ultimately. I don't yeah. think they're very good films. And D- Dave, it's funny because I think you tend to vacillate between like pure hopefulness and pure pessimism. Hundred so percent. Yeah. 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 And now the, I'm really on the other side of it. You looking, know, like, looking back at this whole thing, I love Force Awakens, even though it's a retread of New Hope in so many ways. Like the character work is great. La- this trilogy gave us Last Jedi, so I will always like appreciate that. Like that, it showed us that we could have something different. We could have something better. We could have something more creative. Uh, but with your idea, Jeff, the idea of like J- Abrams doing all three, um, in a hopeful way, like that would have given room for Ryan Johnson to like kind of do something else. Like, I think they're still interested in him as a filmmaker. Um, imagine him just starting that other trilogy or working on another film that wasn't so tied down to the whole Skywalker thing. He would, he could have done a lot of interesting stuff too, but these are all hypotheticals. It's really hard to talk about this. I mean, I would take the first, whatever, 10 minutes of last Jedi when starring like zero characters that I even recognize from any of these movies but you know that moment where the woman releases yep. the bombs mm-hmm. th- that is more powerful and effective and well executed than i think anything in either 7 or 9 in in my opinion but yeah yeah I mean, I, I would say now is a good time. Go back, rewatch Force Awakens at some point. Like once you get some distance from this movie, I think the Millennium Falcon chase is fantastic. The discovery of Rey and her on the planet, like her, all the Rey stuff, all the all the Han Solo stuff in that movie really works. And even if the greater plot is so samey, like I think there's a lot of bits that really work. Finn has this great heart to heart conversation about Rey and how he doesn't think he's good enough and not good enough to like be a good guy. Cause he's a former stormtrooper and Ray rejecting everything. And even like Ray and Kylo, like there's, there is good Kylo stuff in that movie that I don't think we got, we got some of it paid off in last Jedi, but really not here, unfortunately. But yeah, I'm sorry, Jeff. I'm sorry. You're so disappointed with all this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm sorry as well, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, but yeah, I, I, I think like, uh, it's going to take a lot to bring back this franchise, but I think like for now, I'm, I'm taking a step back from the Take Star a Wars franchise. Taking yeah. a breather. I think that's very healthy. But I, I do want to acknowledge, really glad for all the people who, out there who enjoyed it. Um, and Definitely. Nothing against, those, zero against those people at all. And hopefully, like, we haven't uh, lessened or dampened your enthusiasm for it at all. I can just... see my inbox just growing with hate mail as we keep talking. <laughs> so. Well, I'm sure none of them got this far in our, you know, second <laughs> two hours. How of could anyone get to the end and hate everything we're saying it seems completely implausible. But um, also, I will genuinely say, genuinely, if you enjoyed this movie, I'm so happy for you. Yeah. I'm genuinely happy. Yeah. Like that's, I wanted to enjoy this movie. Yes. yes. That's yes. the feeling I want. I'm glad <laughs> <Yes>. for you. <laughs> well, anyway, this has gone on way longer uh, than I thought it would. Yeah, it is 2.17 a.m. for me. So. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. goodness. Thanks, Devinder, yeah. for to your bed. sacrifice. Let's just yeah. wrap it up now. We'll see you all later um, next week for our, our uh, top 10 films of 2019.